Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Um, There's a way in which we can hear the famous Christ hymn of Philippians chapter 2. And if we're not careful, slightly misunderstand some of the implied teaching. So I want to sort of, as a sort of recap, just frame the bigger picture that Philippians 2, the humility and descent of Christ um, within, so we can understand it rightly. So recall that... um, before the created universe existed, before there was anything in the whole cosmos, before there was any cosmos, the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of God the Father, by virtue of his being fully God, already shared fully in God's divine nature, right? He was fully God from before all time. That's what we take pains in the Nicene Creed. I think it's five clauses are devoted to it. That before all creation, he was already the only begotten, not, you know, not made, but begotten, like that whole litany. He was always sharing the glory and the name of God, right? And that God the Son was Yahweh, was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity past prior to the creation of the world. What Philippians 2, what the Christ hymn is um, uh, an ode to, is when the uncreated Son of God took on human nature. right? That what was manifest at the first Christmas from the Virgin Mary. When Jesus was um, conceived in Mary's womb, a whole new thing came into existence. And I can't think of a better word than thing because creature isn't quite right because it's, he's only part creature, right? This thing that's born in Mary's womb is fully God and fully man. So it's this thing that's never existed before because until Jesus, but until the Son of God took on flesh, there was God and there was man, but there was never a God-man. That was a, it only came into existence somewhere between 4 BC and, and 1 AD, somewhere in there. But now that the God-man does exist since being conceived uh, in Mary's womb, and then this Jesus, uh, who was named Jesus, who then grows up and fulfills the will of God the Father through perfect obedience uh, through his entire life, which culminated, of course, in his uh, atoning death on the cross for the ransoming of all mankind. It was because of that humble obedience in his whole life. Remember, his life really began, even though God the Son existed before all time, the life of Jesus began in in Mary's womb. The God-man's existence began in Mary's womb. That humble life, poetically described in the Christ hymn about um, not considering equality with God something to be grasped, but humbling himself, because of his great humility, God the Father honored the God-man by raising him from the dead, and then on ascension, right, enthroning him at his right hand. That's, the ascension is an enthronement. And it's from there, the place that right now Jesus sits, the place to which he's been exalted, the God-man, the heaven of heavens, as the Bible describes it, that is the place from which he now reigns as emperor over the whole cosmos. And there really is this sort of idea of um, 
height here in this in the Philippians hymn that um, in the same way if you want to like see further you know across a distance you, you go up to a higher vantage point like you climb a mountain to see further across the horizon or if you take a tourist ship to Chicago you can go up the Sears Tower and and see five different four different states from the top of the Sears Tower Michigan Indiana Illinois and Wisconsin so there's something that that sort of dimensionality is at work in what Paul is describing, that Christ has ascended so high that he can therefore, sort of from his vantage point on high, oversee the entire cosmos. That's the sort of dimensional logic of the exaltation in Philippians 2. That there is now a name with more power and authority than any other name, and it's the name of Jesus. The name we've been familiar with since childhood that's the most powerful name in the universe. He the God-man, rightfully has the claim of lordship over every creature. And St. Paul gets real specific. He wants us to be really clear that he means every creature. And he lists in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Meaning in heaven, and here sort of, we need to sort of inhabit the way our our, um, dimensional imagination is so impoverished now that we're we're such materialists. But for Paul, it it would have been much readier to mind for his listeners that when he says all those in heaven. He means the, the nine rankings of celestial beings that live in heaven. Right? All of them, from the cherubim and the seraphim around the very throne of God, through the dominions and princedoms, uh, principalities and virtues and thrones, down through the archangels and the angels, the billions and billions of intelligent creatures who inhabit the heavens are all bending the knee, not just to God any longer, but to the God-man, Jesus. Their worship actually took on a new character. Right, they've always worshipped, angels have always worshipped God. But when Jesus ascended, when he was honored after his obedient humiliation, now the angels are worshipping the God-man, Jesus, as well as God the Father. All of the heavenly creatures are worshipping God. That's what's the case in heaven. And Paul says also on earth, this planet where people, and not just humans who are sort of the pinnacle of God's visible creation, Right, the angels are the pinnacle of his invisible creation. Humans are the pinnacle of his visible creation. But even below us, the animals and the plants and the prokaryotes, everything, um, all creatures on earth are under the lordship of the Lord, Jesus. And not just on the earth, but Paul also names under the earth as being the place where Christ's lordship extends. Under the earth, of course, meaning the underworld where the dead are that there's no cavern in the place of the dead so deep that Christ's authority doesn't extend there. God the Father exalted the name of Jesus the God-man so that every knee in every realm, heaven, earth, under the earth, should bow. And when it says should bow, of course it means there that it's, um, it's now possible to be under the, the lordship and the dominion of God and in relationship with him. But also there's a sort of moral should to that, right? Like if, if we knew what was best for us, every creature would bend the knee to the, the true and only Lord. In heaven, of course, this is already perfectly the case, which is why we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, all the billions and billions of angels are all bending the knee, um, an act of reverence and worship. Right? I know that, that symbol of bending the knee is a sort of... Um, maybe not as intuitive outside of kind of the monarchy and stuff of the past, where it was a sort of this intuitive gesture of, I, like, you could chop off my head if you like, or elevate me, I'm yours, right? Like, I, I bow before the sovereign. 
all of the heavenly creatures are already um, bending the knee to the God-man, Jesus. So that's all the angels. It's all the faithful Christians who've died in the last 20 centuries. I mean, think about how many billions of Christians that is, complementing the billions of angels um, who are worshiping, and by worship as an act of reverence and submission in heaven, together with the souls of all the holy patriarchs and prophets of the Old Testament. Right? Abraham and David, Moses, Elijah are all submitting and as, an, as their submission offering their worship to the God-man in heaven. That's what we see in Revelation, right? These elders on the thrones falling down and worshiping the lamb who was slain, a picture for Jesus exalted. So, that's it. so it's perfectly the case in heaven. On earth, you know, the reasons that earth is sometimes called middle earth is because it exists between heaven and hell. On this, in this middle earth, um, it's a competition, right? All should bow the knee to the one rightful Lord like they do in heaven, but not all do, right? Some refuse to submit to Jesus as Lord, and in that way they imitate those who inhabit, now inhabit the underworld, those who stubbornly refuse to bend the knee lifelong, and the demons who once in some sort of pre-human history moment refused to bend the knee in submission to the Lord and therefore became demons in that act. But the fact that um, some humans here on this Middle Earth don't obey um, doesn't make Jesus any less Lord. It just means that their destiny is an ominous one. And the fact that there are humans who don't honor Jesus' Lordship, well, that's the problem that faithful Christian witness in the lived life seeks to solve, right? To be sort of witnessing to the world, this is what a life that submits to Jesus as Lord looks like. And even though it might have just as many outward difficulties, look how differently, different it is in its character. It's why the church has always sent missionaries abroad to tell people who haven't heard about the one Lord of the universe that they can come under his lordship. And when we speak about um, the underworld, the place where the rebellious angels live, that's actually the one place where the knee never bends, right? It's only, that's actually sort of one of, the, one of the characteristics of hell is it's the rejection of the lordship of Jesus. And the lordship of Jesus, to be under his lordship, he is a good lord. So, I mean, hypothetically, it could have been otherwise. He could have been sort of a harsh lord, but he's not. He's a merciful lord. He's a peace-giving lord, right? My peace I, li I give to you. So to be under his dominion, to be submissive to the Lord, Jesus, um, is to live in a place of order and goodness and peace, which is all the things which are absent when you reject the Lordship of Jesus. So the, the pain of hell, the pain that the demons suffer, the pain that those who um, reject Christ stubbornly um, will suffer, is actually just to be outside of his dominion. The, the actually, hell is getting what you want. Right? Those who say, I don't want Jesus, the Lord says, okay. And then so you live apart from the blessings of his ordered kingdom that brings peace with it. Because Christ, although he's in exalted in glory, he continues to have a humble character. He doesn't, he's not a machinator. He doesn't force humans to submit to him. Right? He's not a despot. He's a merciful Lord. He invites humans to submit to his leadership and his lordship. He actually is willing and wooing all humans because he died for everybody. He's longing for them to experience the peace that comes 
from submitting to him, from not just being the Lord of our own fiefdom, never bending the knee to anybody, but actually bending the knee and saying, Lord, I'm, you're the boss. He's inviting us into that peace. And I want to land on this idea of peace today because it's um, beautifully phrased in the collect that is appointed for this Sunday when it's praised that um, we would have peace from um, pardoned sins and that we'd have the peace of a quiet mind. Did you catch that phrase when I prayed it? What a great prayer book phrase. Um, a quiet mind. Isn't that really what we want? Right? That to be in the midst of any misery, outward or inward, or whatever, to have a quiet mind in the midst of it. I fully, uh, the presentation of the scriptures is that the way to attain a quiet mind is to be sub fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Because when you are, because we're all kind of, do it, we all do it somewhat partially, right? Yeah, he's the boss right now, but now things, I'm, I'm kind of stressed and panicky, and now I'm going to be the Lord and I'm going to fix this, right? Or I know he told us this thing is his rules, but, you know, these are extenuating circumstances, right? We play judge and jury to ourselves and, and abandon his law. When we do that, um, we actually forfeit the peace that comes from trusting the all-powerful, all-seeing, all-wise Lord, the one Lord who can actually be a, a good Lord. But when we submit to him as Lord more fully, um, we can then trust that he's in charge of the current sufferings of an uncertain future, whatever it may be. We actually uh, can even draw near to him in this sort of very special way that Remember the path we pray every the college for Friday that Art and I pray here every Friday morning um, is that there was no um, glory apart from the cross, right? That his exaltation was on the other side of his humiliation. And so that when we even are experiencing humiliations, things that hurt and humble us, in a special way we get to draw near to the Lord who we submit to in a special way because that's what happened to him. So we can bear with even the worst humiliation knowing that we, uh, when, when we resign ourselves into the Lord's hand as an act of submission. Say, so you're the Lord, I'm not the Lord. So I want to um, conclude by um, repeating Paul's words that he concluded um, in, in verse 13 uh, from the Philippians passage that we read, slightly just adding in some of the things I've talked about and taking his words as my own because he's writing to already Christians, right? We think of the presentation of the Lordship of Jesus as something that you would present to a non-Christian, like, hey, submit to this. But it's actually something that Christians need to continue to hear because Paul says, as you've always obeyed, right? He's honoring the fact that you, I know that, I, I, know, all, I know all four of you, you already call Jesus Lord. As you've always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with faith and with fear and trembling. And so that's the thing, is that you already call Christ Lord, but you can actually call him Lord more fully, more integrously, and with that will come more peace and a quieter mind. So let me read this. Therefore, my beloved, if you have this quiet mind, this peace, as you have always obeyed, Jesus is your Lord, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen.